Merge Records is an indie label's indie label. Mac McCann and Laura Balance started the label in 1989 as a way to put out music by their own band, Superchunk, as well as their friends' bands that they played and toured with. This proved to be a winning strategy, as Merge has grown to be the home of acclaimed bands like Magnetic Fields, Neutral Milk Hotel, Spoon, His Golden Messenger, Waxahachie, and of course, Arcade Fire. Welcome to the future of what? I'm your host, Portia Sabin, president of the independent record label, Kill Rock Stars. Support for the future of what comes from Merch Table. With over 15 years of experience in merchandising, screen printing, tour support, and online fulfillment, Merch Table partners with artists and labels looking to jumpstart their business. Visit merchtable.com to learn more and open a store today. Today, we shine a spotlight on Merge Records and speak to one of the artists on the label whose music is nominated for a Libera Award this year. It's all coming up on The Future of What. Support for The Future of What comes from SoundExchange. You're listening to The Future of What. I'm talking to Laura Balance of Merge. Laura, welcome to The Future of What. Thank you. So happy to have you. So we're doing a label spotlight on the fabulous Merge Records today, which obviously you started back in 1989. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> 1989 was a good year, man. I remember that year. Well, when did you start your record label? I don't know. My husband, Slim Moon, started Kill Rock Stars in 91. So just a couple of years later. Right. Yeah. So at that time, we would have thought you were like some baby record label. Exactly. Yeah. Which is funny to think about, you know, now. I know, because now we're like the old ladies of the label <laughs> world. <laughs> it's funny. Merge is such an interesting label in the world of indie labels because in the beginning, your own band was the biggest band on the label, which is, you know, right. that's, that's unique. It definitely is. I've been thinking about this lately for some reason and just thinking about how if we hadn't also had the band, I'm not sure that Merge would exist right now. Mm. I think they were codependent in a way. I think that at first Merge was sort of dependent on Superchunk. There were times where Superchunk kind of helped financially support Merge. Sure. Because we were doing well touring and also helped us to meet bands Yeah, that we wanted to work with, that we wanted to put seven inches out by. Right. And, you know, get to be in the room with them and hang out with them and get to know them and develop a relationship, which I think is really key to running a record label, having a good relationship with your band. And... I also feel like being in this band made it so that we understand what it's like to be in a band mm-hmm. Yeah, in a way that a lot of people who run record labels don't quite. Totally. Like, you know, what it's like to be on the road touring for six weeks and the nature in which it exhausts you yeah. and why you might not want to do an in-store. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> or, or might not want to show up for a radio obligation or something like that. Obviously, we try to get people to do those things, but we understand if they say no. Absolutely. Well, and it's funny because I say on this show all the time to the young musicians who are listening that, it, it, you know, unless you've done it, 
it's really hard to understand that the bigger you get in terms of popularity and whatever, the more work there is in this job. Yeah. It's not a job where you get to like get to some level and then like go home and relax. Yeah. There's a lot of work involved and I really feel like it's important that people know that because I'd really love your perspective on this as someone who does the same job that I do, which is kind of, I love talking to people who do the same job I do because I feel like I, you can relate. You know, it, it's like you get these emails from people who are like, hey, will you put out my record? And I'm like, do you understand what you're asking me? <laughs> like, right. Like, who are you? Right. We make the mistake sometimes of assuming people know what they're getting in for, but they don't. Right. They don't. Totally. And that's and what you just said about, you know, getting a chance to tour and meet these bands and be on the road with them and be on stage with them. That's such a great way because then you can find out if these people are for real. Yeah. And if they're really going to do this and do this and do this, which is what it takes. Yeah. Yeah. And if they're also nice people, it's important for them to be nice people, too. Yeah. And especially for years. Looking at your discography, one of the coolest things about Merge is that you guys have these really long relationships with your bands. You know, you have bands that you started putting out in the early 90s that you're still working with today. Yes. And that's awesome. You know, that's what it's in my in my view. That's what we're trying to do here is help artists have careers as artists. It's not always the most financially sound thing to do, but it's what we like to do. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's true. But, you know, it's so different because it, it's all about philosophy with record labels. And, you know, those of us who had labels that started, you know, in 89, 91, early 90s, you know, I feel like we came into this with a specific ethic, right? Like we wanted to work with people who were making art that we believed in. And that had something to say. And we're not chasing the dollars. We're not saying, like, what's the cool sound of today that I can go find right. and capitalize on? What I really want to talk to you about is how your role at the label has changed over the years. Eventually, you did stop touring for at least one reason, <laughs> probably more than one. Right. But now that you don't tour as much, or at all, rather, you are probably spending more time doing A&R and running the label. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I don't think of myself as doing more A&R, but I ha A&R has changed completely from how, what it used to be. It used to be, you know, somebody had to mail you something. And I was more involved in A&R on the road mm -hmm. by meeting bands that we played with. So I was going to say I don't do more A&R, but... Now that people send emails all the time mm -hmm. as A&R, my inbox is full of things I'm supposed to listen to. Right. Which is exhausting, and <laughs> I often don't do it. I sometimes just, they stay in my inbox forever, and then eventually I'm like, well, that is a year old. I think I can delete it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's so interesting that you do that, because I feel the same way. Like, I feel, I feel this weird obligation when someone sends me an email and they say, like, I want you to listen to this. I feel this weird obligation to listen to it. Yeah. Why is that? Because they put themselves into it. Their heart is in there, probably. Right. Right. Yeah, it feels, it feels weird to not at least respond to them. I know. But how many bands has Merge signed over the year from cold emails? Not that many. Right. Exactly. Like, uh, very, very few. Probably none. Yeah, possibly none. <laughs> exactly. We did sign Butter Glory from them sending us a package back in the 90s. Right. But yeah, that was rare. Yeah. 
I mean, I think that that's good that we're putting that out there because I, you know, I have said that a lot. Only four people have ever been signed to Kill Rockstars from emails. And all of those were sent before the the sort of like explosion of digital. You know, it's like, yeah. Yes. Either we got a package or we got an email. It was a long time ago. I know. Really long time ago. I was going to change the subject to what I actually do do, but. Oh, yeah. Do it. I said, I said do do. <laughs> <laughs> you used to tour with guys, didn't you? I did. <laughs> I can tell. But doo-doo wouldn't really be a joke they would make. They would be like, that's what she said. Yeah. Or something like that. Right. So anyway, what I do, it just means basically I'm here more for personnel stuff. Mm. My time has always been taken up by negotiation with artists or legal issues, and it's even more so now, because it seems these issues multiply Mm. as there's more and more revenue streams, as we call them. There's just always a bunch of crap that needs sorting out, Mm -hmm. and that's what I do. And if the toilet gets clogged up, (laughs) I fix it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm totally relating right now. I hear it. I hear you. Yeah, it's... it's, uh, it ranges from executive actions to yeah, janitor. Definitely. Stuff that I, I don't feel like I could ask somebody else to do. Right.
That was Give Me a Reason by Abibio Sound Machine. If you're enjoying this program, please subscribe to our show on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a review. Follow us on Twitter at KRSFOW and subscribe to our newsletter to find out what's coming up next. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to Laura Balance of Merge. How many people are working at Merge now? Last time I saw you guys when I was in Durham, I think you're in a different office now, but I don't know. I think you had like maybe seven people there. You got to have more now, right? We have 16 people and we are in our office in Durham still. We've only been in one office in Durham. I wonder, yeah, was it a two-story building when you came? Two-story building, yeah. Yeah, so same office, but now we occupy the entire building. I think when we first moved in here, we rented the downstairs out to someone else. Gotcha. And now we take up the whole thing. Right. So let's talk a little bit about this changing marketplace, you know, because when you guys started Merge, you did a lot of seven inches. (laughs) There was a lot of, I'm imagining, United Record Pressing in your life. Yes, that was was it. Yeah. Talking to Beth. (laughs) Yep, talking about that's we did the same thing. But now, obviously, we have a completely changed marketplace. Like, how has that changed your world? Well, we not only have a completely changed marketplace, but our goals are completely different. You know, when when we were mainly doing seven inches, we didn't have a staff. We didn't have to support anybody. It was just fun. Mm-hmm. And now we have a staff, and we ha- you know we've grown to this scale where. We kind of have to keep running, otherwise the treadmill is going to eject us. Right. You know? Yeah. And, yeah, doing seven inches is not the most profitable thing to do in the world. Not anymore. Anymore. Yeah. <laughs> or it never was, but it didn't matter then. Wait, what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> I was just saying, you know, this digital marketplace now has just changed so much. Like, what have you guys had to do in terms of staffing? Like, who have you had to add? I mean, what new challenges has that provided for you guys as a label? Well, we've had to add a few new people to deal with different aspects of the digital marketplace, like dealing with YouTube takedown stuff Mm. and like creating digital content for the social media site. Like, you have to have... It feels like there's much more time spent creating assets. The word, I'm I'm doing finger quotes over here in case you can't see them (laughs) around the word assets. Assets, which we never used to have. Right. Or we didn't have to have. Yeah, we had music. We have to make all these things (laughs) that go along with the music or trying go with trying to make people aware of the music on Instagram or, Mm -hmm. you know the various social media sites. So there's a, yeah, there's a lot of energy spent trying to get to people in different ways and make them notice our artists. Yeah. And currently, you know, it feels like it's it's harder to break even on projects than it used to be. Yeah. Because of, you know, streaming is not the most profitable way for people to acquire or listen to music. I reminisce fondly about the golden age of people buying downloads. Mm-hmm. Oh, that yeah. Was that was like the best thing ever. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it was, and and I think that that like it helped us grow to where we are now because it was like this this era of selling something that you didn't have to manufacture. You know, you just had the artist had to record it, you had to master it, you had to promote it, but you didn't have to manufacture it. Right. So there was no cost on that part of it, and it was like, I mean, it wasn't free money, but it was. It felt kind of like wow. This is incredible. This is the new reality. Right. And I think we all got a little too comfortable with that. (laughs) 
And of course it went away. Yep. Yeah. But it enabled labels like us to become bigger players than we ever would have been without it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And you guys had some pretty significant early success. I mean, if you started in 89, within the first 10 years, you had Neutral Milk Hotel. And that, I think, was probably a pretty big thing for you guys. Yes. And Magnetic Field. Yeah, definitely. When we put out 69 Love Songs, we were shocked at the response we got. Yeah. And Neutral Milk Hotel, of course, like that, when it first came out, it did okay. But it, that one has been a long, slow grower, mm-hmm. and now it's one of those classics. It's it's like classic rock in a way, you know? Yeah. That people have to have that record. Totally. And it's funny because Slim always talks about when he first started working with Elliot Smith, and none of the writers would write about him because they were like, oh, isn't that guy just like some sort of like James Taylor, Paul Simon thing? Yes. Because the early 90s were, you know, God forbid you were just under your own name. Right. <laughs> you, know, you had to have a band name. Right. You know? No matter what. So, uh, yeah, exactly. And then things change over time. But, yeah, so you guys, I mean, you guys have really presided over sort of a series of, I mean, just like every label, right? Just peaks and valleys. But we always, I always joke around that, like, you know, my label exists. uh, You know, it's like we get income from, you know, our big sellers to fund us putting out these, like, little passion projects that we know won't make any money. But we, we just love and feel like we have to do. Do you feel like that era is over, though? Do you feel like we're getting to a point where we can't even really afford to put out passion projects anymore? I think that's getting harder and harder. You know, it used to be those passion projects, we would sell more of them. We would sell at least 3,000 of a small release. Mm -hmm. And now you could put something out and physically only sell 500 of it. And that is not sustainable. Right. And it does make it harder to do the passion projects, but I don't know how to run a record label without doing those because you don't know what any record is going to do. With new artists, it's just a big question mark. You don't know what it's going to do. There's nothing is guaranteed. So it's a necessary step in artist development, I think, to put out a record that may not do well, or maybe three records that don't do well. And that is pretty much, you know, why you have to have some records that do well right? <laughs> to help support those other ones. And I guess one good thing is we've been doing this long enough. We have a good catalog that helps us you know, we can rely on that catalog to help support developing new artists. Totally. And I feel like, you know, I always say the indie labels are the risk takers of the music industry because we're the ones who are out there doing exactly that, taking a chance and, you know, using the money generated from our catalogs. Farm League? Yeah. Well, not Farm League, but like, you know, we're we're actually the ones willing to make an investment yes. in young artists. Yes. You know, I don't think that the way that that's done elsewhere in the music industry is quite the same. Right. I think indies are quite unique in that we, you know, it's like if we believe in somebody's artistic vision, we're willing to let them explore that. And sometimes, like you said, it takes two or three or four records, you know. Or it might never happen. Or it might never happen. It's true. Yeah. But we believe in them and we support them and that's that's our role. Yeah. Unfortunately, the commercial success is not... A reflection of how good a record is. Never. No, that's so true. Yeah. We have put out some of the best records in the world that nobody cared about. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And it seems, it feels a lot of times like it's just luck. Mm-hmm. Like you can do, you can do everything possible to support a record and it does not guarantee that anybody's going to pay any attention. Absolutely not. And then, you know, some random thing will happen where there's some kind of buzz and somebody, somehow something grows. I mean, that's how it felt like with that first Arcade Fire record we did. When we put out Funeral, there was already a lot of talk about them from people who had seen them play. Mm-hmm. And that is what made that record happen. Right. I mean, it helped that we put out the record rather than some, you know, rando tiny label because we had some ability to promote it. But it, it again, you know, exceeded what we anticipated immediately. Yeah. Just because of dumb luck. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But the cool thing about indie labels is, for the most part, we're, because we're small, we're kind of scrappy and we can reorganize real fast. Yeah. If we were giant corporations, you know, they don't move very fast. You, If you have something break randomly, you know, it would be like more glacial so that you guys could probably reorganize your assets and be like, uh-oh, we got something here. Yes. We got to hire a couple more people or absolutely do this, that, or the other thing. Yeah. 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 Roll with it. was Sex and Drugs by a Giant Dog. When Kill Rockstars was looking for someone to take over our fulfillment operation, Merch Table stepped up to do the heavy lifting, moving our entire stock to their warehouse and helping us create merch our fans love. With Merch Table's support, we've been able to focus on the music and artists that matter to us. 
KRS loves Merch Table. See what they can do for your business at merchtable.com. You're listening to The Future of What? After the show, take a moment to leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. It helps people find the show, and we love hearing from you. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to Laura Balance of Merge. So what's your favorite part these days about your job? I'm going to guess it's not the toilet plunging. (laughs) (laughs) I like paying bands. Mm -hmm. I like it when a record does well and we get to send them a statement and they make money. That makes me happy. I like getting a deal done if it's not acrimonious in any way. And, and, you know, getting rid, you know, that, that sense of like, okay, that's behind us. Now we get to do the real thing Mm -hmm. where we work on this project together. And I love like getting to know new bands and getting to know how nice they are, you know, and like, like a Bibio sound machine, we're just here in town and we did not actually meet them before we started working with them. So the vibe was they were nice people, Mm -hmm. but we hadn't hung out with them a lot because they live in London. And they were just here in town for two days because they played at a festival here. And I love them so much. <laughs> they are such sweet people. And it makes me so happy. And, it, you know, it was so great to see them play at this festival. And it was at the Shikori Hills Festival, which is basically like, it's a pretty hippie-ish festival. And I have never been before because they usually don't have things that I want to see. Mm-hmm. But... It was so great to go and see them play and see all these people who were not like me loving them. Mm. That, you know, it, it just made me so happy. Yeah, I agree. That's a great part of the job <laughs> to feel like you're, you know, working with amazing people who are who are doing things that, that still move people. You know, I feel like, you know, you do this for a long time and you start to sometimes get kind of depressed mm-hmm. about you know, I mean, I got really depressed. I'll be straight up with you when the whole like Lana Del Rey thing started happening. I was like, okay, I officially don't understand the kids. Like I give up. Wait, what, wait, what happened? Did I miss something? (laughs) No, just like her music. Like I just didn't get it. I was like, I don't understand what's happening here. Like, oh, you know, I was like, like, why do people like this? I was like, well, there's no chorus. There's no verse. There's no hook. There's no dynamics. I was like, what's happening? I'm, I just didn't understand the music. I don't understand. Yeah, right. Yeah. I was like, you know, I grew up in the age of super chunk. You know what I mean? Like we, we, had, we had dynamics for God's sake. Right. So, you know, I didn't understand it. And, and I thought, well, I've really, I've really gone around the bend. <laughs> I'm officially old. <laughs> so it is nice to still be able to connect with artists who other people, like you said, who are not like you, love. You know, that's, that's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you got to remember when you have those Lana Del Rey moments that the music world is always evolving. And it seems like it evolves faster and faster now. Whatever's cool one week is going to be out the next. Mm-hmm. And the chorus will always come back. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> I know you know that. I don't yeah. need to tell you that. <laughs> but I, I'm glad you said that. I think that that's perfect. And on that note, Laura Balance, thank you so much for being with us today on The Future of What? Thank you for having me. That was fun.
was PB&J by Sneaks. Hey, Portland. We're taping a live panel on June 30th at Mississippi Studios with co-host DJ Cliff. The event is all ages and tickets are available now at mississippistudios.com. Proceeds go to Friends of Noise. See you there. You're listening to The Future of What? I'm talking to MC Taylor of His Golden Messenger. Hey, welcome back to The Future of What? Hey, nice to be here. <laughs> yeah, I interviewed you last August at Pickathon. Yeah. So that's where we met. Yep, totally. Which was awesome. But I don't think that interview has been released yet. They release those really slowly. <laughs> so. Oh, yeah. That's cool. Therefore, don't remember what I talked to you about. And if I repeat myself, I apologize. <laughs> well, I was in Portland where marijuana is legal. So. <laughs> I know my entire staff is very happy about that fact. <laughs> yeah. But you, I mean, my gosh, we... Where do we even start with you? I think we should just start with the fact that we're talking to you today because you've been nominated for a Libera Award right. for Best American Roots and Folk Album, mm-hmm. which is exciting. Yeah, very much. Your competition in the category is Amy Mann, Big Thief, Kevin Morby, and Phoebe Bridgers. Okay. That's good company. Yeah. Super good company. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask you, really, this is part of being on an independent label is that, you know, you're eligible to be nominated for this awards show. What's it been like, your working relationship with Merge? Merge has been so great. I mean, as a collaborator, I guess I I could call them. They've been really fantastic. I love them. I love the people that run the label. They're friends. They are based in Durham, and that's where I live, which is just a complete stroke of cosmic luck because I can actually go down there and say hi with nothing, <laughs> with no big agenda. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome. There's something really powerful about that. I agree. I started working with Merge in 2014 uh-huh. with a record called Lateness of Dancers. Right. And since that record, I have also put out two more full-length records with them, a couple EPs, We are getting ready to put a box set out of four LPs this fall and are kind of in the process of getting ready to record a new record. The the four LP box set is some older records of mine whose licenses were up. So we're moving everything to merge. So I think that says a lot in and of itself of my relationship with them. They're very soon to have my entire catalog. I don't know. It's hard to understand what... The purpose of a record label is right now. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of the obvious stuff, but things that I think all of us grew up thinking that we knew about record labels or the music business are kind of in disarray right now. And what it has come down to with Merge for me is just my personal relationship with them. Mm -hmm. You know, above and beyond the fact that I was buying records on Merge when I was 15 and 16 years old. Sure. So I think musicians need record labels. They need the kind of support that record labels can provide, obviously. But I think it's also been shown that that's not the only way. There are many musicians that are making a go of it on their own. So what it has come down to with me is is my personal relationship with Merch. Right. I really like them. I respect them as a record label. They do good work. They've proven that they mean something and they've really shepherded a lot of important music to me into my life so it's my relationship with them as a personal one yeah absolutely so we've also been working together long enough that 
they know that I'm serious about what I'm doing. And, you know, his at this point is not a brand new band. You know, we have an engine <laughs> yeah. that is kind of running on our own. So we don't need very much from them in terms of, you know, I mean, I, I, I love the moral and emotional support that they give me, but I don't need that kind of stuff. Maybe the way like a brand new, just starting out bands might, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. They kind of just let me do my thing, really. And that's nice. That's the ideal. And I think, you know, I talk about this all the time because this is sort of my, what I do is is talk to people about the music business and independent labels in particular. And I think the thing that indie labels do is really try our very best to sign artists who turn into artists like you. Sure. You know, career musicians, people who are going to do this no matter what. Right. And they're basically lucky, you know, at this point, I would feel like I would, would someone would just like fist fight them for you, you know, because <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're completely proven, like your track record is proven for, you know, I mean, God, however long you guys have been making music, <laughs> I don't even want to say, right, since college. Yeah. And, you know, they do provide services. The, the thing I, would, I always talk to people about is, you know, people say, well, why do you need a record label? And I'm like, well, you don't need a record label. But what you do need <laughs> is somebody who's going to do the band's business. Yeah, exactly. And there's a lot of business to be done. Exactly. You know, and record labels do a lot of those jobs. You know, they have, you know, the wonderful Christina as the publicist at Merge. You know, she's amazing. She does right. knows everybody and gets lots of great stuff. Right. They have people who, you know, collect all your income streams, which is really a pain in the butt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, and make sure you're getting the money that you need. So there definitely are there are jobs out there that need to be done that yes. it's always impressive when artists are able to do that themselves. But I always kind of feel a little bit like that is asking too much of the artist. You know, we want artists to be everything nowadays. <laughs> yeah. You have to be your own producer, you have to be your own engineer and your own, you know, drum tech and guitar god and right. everything. And then you better also know how to, you know, collect all your royalties from Asia. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. I will. I mean, maybe a better way to put it is, you know, despite the burden that that puts on those of us that are actually trying to compose and write music, I would rather do that stuff myself than leave it up to someone that didn't seem like they knew what they were doing or weren't we're not up to the task but but merge knows they know how to do it i mean merge is a big business mm-hmm. yeah you know a very personal one with lots of emotional connections to each other but they know how to do it and so i can totally go about my thing without wondering whether royalties are being collected properly or whether money is being left on the table somewhere or exactly you know right they're great i don't have to think i don't have to worry about it they're really, really wonderful in that regard. And, and I'm, I'm very, very fortunate to be in a position where I'm working with them for so long now. I mean, it's become a different thing. Like, I think had someone told me 15 years ago that I would be putting out many records with Merge, I would have not believed them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but now it's, I, I feel very fortunate to work with them, but it's, it doesn't leave me slack-jawed with amazement. It's just kind of like, we're all here because we're supposed to be here doing this, you know? Well, yeah. I mean, that's a really important point because I feel like a lot of the young musicians I talk to, they think getting signed to a record label is some sort of like end in itself. Right. But really, all it is is the beginning of a working relationship. Right. Yeah. 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 And then it gets comfortable. Yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> yeah. And, 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 
you know, my, my music has never been, you know, sell a million copies overnight. If that exists anymore anyway, that's not the way that my music works. And I've known that for a long time. So I wasn't expecting any miracles with Merge, but it's been a steadily growing thing. Right. I think at that at this point, that's that's all that you can hope for is that you don't feel like you reach some sort of plateau that you cannot find a way off of. Absolutely. And, you know, for me, I feel like this thing is still growing every day. There are still lots and lots of people that, or potential fans of His Gold Messenger that don't know about this music yet. And that's exciting. Yes. You know, it, Absolutely. It, feels, it still feels fresh. That's fantastic. Yeah, that is really where you want to be after 25 years or 30 years in, in your career. That's an incredible place to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can you tell us about how you met the Merge people? Did you meet Mac or Laura first? Like, how did that happen? I had put out a few records here in Durham on a smaller record label called Paradise of Bachelors. And they must have caught wind that I was making another record, the record that became Lateness of Dancers. And must have felt like maybe I would be looking for a new place to go with it. And I got an email from Laura, out of the blue, really, that said, basically, are you interested in putting your next record out on Merch? And I was like, wow. <laughs> what, a, what a cool email to get. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and at that time, there were a few other record labels that were kind of around or were interested. But Merge's terms, although they weren't the, the most, like it wasn't the most money, mm -hmm. there was something else about them that felt good. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Part of it was just their proximity to where I live. Sure. And I don't know. It just felt right. I wasn't looking for like a big payday or a big advance at all. I was just wanting to find a place where the music seemed like it would be taken care of, really. Absolutely. Yeah. And their track record is unimpeachable. I mean, you can't, you know, you're getting quality when you, when you're going to go work with Merge. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Like they've been around for so long that they know something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they know something that I don't know about how to make this weird business work. Yep. And then you get to benefit from that, which is awesome. But I think even more so they get to benefit from working with you. I mean, it's exactly what you said. You create this sort of working relationship that becomes comfortable and trusting. And, right. you know, I mean, that's really what all of us are striving for is to work with people that we trust and that we know have our best interests at heart. Totally. That is the biggest journey as a, as a professional musician is finding the people that are going to be part of your family mm -hmm. and trying to be really intuitive about who it is that you're inviting through the front door and trying to not let your ego dictate who you work with. You know what I mean? Like not being swayed by promises that there are no way it could come true. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. Like that's actually the second that I ever hear anyone making some kind of promise or guarantee about what they're going to do. Mm -hmm. That's an immediate red flag to me. That's something that I'm just will completely kick me out of a conversation because you can't, you can't make promises about stuff that happens in the music biz. God, no. Yeah, you'd be foolish to try. And it also makes me worried because it's like, what do you really want? <laughs> right. You know, if that's what you're promising me, the earth, why, you know, what do you think it is that I've got that you want? Right, right. It's creepy. Yeah. <laughs> 
Well, I don't want to take any more of your time, but I do want to say good luck at this year's Libera Awards. Thank and you. keep on doing what you're doing. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Thank you so much. And I also want to thank you for turning me on to John Moreland's music. Oh, man. Isn't that beautiful? God. Oh, my God. It's like yeah. changing my life. Yeah. Yeah. You, you put him on a year-end list or something that I read, and I was like... I should check him out. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. I'm glad you dig it. He's so good. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Thanks My for pleasure. That. All right, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger. Thanks so much for being with us on The Future of What? Thank you. Glad to be here. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard a Bibio sound machine, a giant dog, sneaks, and of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. For more info on our shows, check out our website at killrockstars.com slash the future of what and sign up for our newsletter. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts and Anna McLean. I'm Portia Sabin, president of Kill Rock Stars. See you next week. <laughs>